millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet, Michael Sidgwick, his review, everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Now Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Raw, but also SmackDown, NXT, but oh, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay per views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a very good quiz, of course on Wrestle Culture. As I said, though, joined by the Dadleys to discuss Raw, a show that I thought was really enjoyable and yet has been completely overshadowed, understandably, Michael Hamlet, by the news surrounding it and the women's tag team champions. Yeah, you've teed us up as usual by saying we're going to discuss everything that happened on Monday Night Raw. Surely it's more interesting to discuss what didn't. There was no six-pack main event. There was no Sasha Banks and Naomi. And we know that would have been great because of the numbers game. Yep, yeah, yeah, doing maths that you've devised, made sure that would have worked. It's the story. It's like you've said this before. We've kind of all observed it. The the best way to get over in WWE is be nowhere near WWE. And Sasha Banks and Naomi have this morning taken that as literally as possible by exiting a show eight hours before air. And the discourse is going to run and run. And this it's it's not all for a raw review, but I guess it sort of is because when um, shows get rewritten hastily because of something like this, like a walkout, you should be able to tell. <laughs> That's, that's sort yes. of the point. You should be able to see what chaos has been caused. But we're led to believe that this occurs without wrestler walkouts most weeks. Vincent Man sees a script with however many hours to go, tears it up and starts it again, makes it in his own image. This Raw, for all that the chaos that was happening behind the scenes was later reported, and those of us in the bubble, I guess, will know about it, and Twitter and Reddit will rage for days on what actually happened, and it's really interesting. It is more interesting than the show itself. The show felt largely unaffected, saved for a couple of very cynical moments. You know, there was... feels worth talking about it now because yeah, it yeah, doesn't yeah. really play into it, but, like, Corey Graves... It wasn't him. It was He was, you know, being the sock puppet for Vincent Mann. There was even, like, very Vince... Mr. Cocko. Right, <laughs> <laughs> like, Vince Wording was, like, uh, summarily unprofessional behaviour. <laughs> like, it was it couldn't have been more Vince McMahon if Corey Graves tried. So you get that message now, um, you know, the, the comments about... Summarily. Why, yeah, like, Love why it. the match was changed. Other than that... 
it sort of passed without incident, didn't it? I guess like we're we're talking about this on a Tuesday. Like back when it was Austin, there was TV specials. There was Vince putting a beer can in the ring. There was the Rock coming back. There was the infamous "Take your ball and go home" line, which then stuck in awful company speak for wrestlers trying to have their own lives. Like just minging phrases. But stuck. I think there's a catchphrase for this, isn't it? Yes. Really, really <laughs> awful. It's like the years when you had the uh, the kind of like um, tribute shows that almost followed formula. Like, you can imagine Kevin Dunn, right, we'll go to South Beach now. And they're like, when exactly? We're like, get the black armbands on screen, slow zoom now. Like, you don't want these things to be formula, and yet they are. Um, much much the same as with Monday Night Raw, which otherwise followed complete formula, and you wouldn't know that there was absolute scandal chaos. And champions leaving belts on tables because they just don't matter to them. That's the really, really good stuff. That's more of what we want from a competitive landscape because the competitive landscape won't do one thing, which is change WWE's product. It's a very nice symbolic gesture, that, isn't it? Because in just not caring enough about the titles, after a long period of caring in vain, it should be noted, Mm -hmm. they just left those titles on the table and walked. Were they treated with any more disdain than WWE Creative has since these titles were conceived? It's just baffling to hear the reports coming out of this that, you know, some WWE booked someone badly. I'm not no, baffled. just the, 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 <laughs> the allegedly they were going to have. I think Naomi were gonna, was going to win the six pack challenge, which already knocks me over because mm. I said this to Andy on the news this morning. It's really easy to book this six pack. You've got two tag teams in it, or one tag team champions and two people who are trending towards becoming a tag team. That's four people taken care of immediately. They can either fight off or they can you know do whatever you want. And then you have Asuka beat Becky Lynch in the way she did in the main event, right? Misting her. Great. Huge pap, especially in the Wilborn household when that happens. And then you have Becky cry arse away into making it a triple threat. And then you pin Becky at Hell in a Cell. And then you've kept Bianca and Asuka in WWE's own inimitable way as a singles match for further down the road. It just felt like so obvious. And yet the plan was for, I think, Naomi to pin someone. They weren't, she wasn't going to have any interaction with Sasha. Naomi was going to pin someone. She was going to become the number one contender. She was going to be fed to Bianca at the premium live event, one would assume. And I think I heard somewhere that Sasha was going to be fed to Ronda. It's like, why are you feeding both of your champions to your other champions? Well, it's not just that, is it? Like, Sasha and Naomi. And it, all of this feels so futile because, it, like, the WWE you know, spoke in the way you'll say, and that, like, the machine will not change. No matter what people do, they will just remove themselves from it. The belts won't be... Like, nothing will be saved by this but the wrestlers, but for the wrestlers themselves who might be able to save their souls and, indeed, their careers if they don't want to do this anymore. Um, they probably saw the subtext brought right to the front, which was not just tag team champions getting fed to champions like singles champions, but tag team champions get fed to singles champions on the last B show before a three-stadium run. Yeah. So it's not just that they're in these spots. They're being picked for these spots because they're not being picked for the big ones, which is three stadiums. And like, uh, like I've, I think we all can share this. Like, Good for them for knowing their worth in the first instance anyway. But Sasha Banks and Naomi specifically, when Naomi at this point is still not really riding the wave of an enormous, one of the biggest stadium pops of this decade thus far from the Royal Rumble in 2020. And Sasha Banks from, well, from everything Sasha Banks has done and been, <laughs> yes. permi- and been permitted to do thus far. I'm not saying that to Neg Naomi. She's just n- simply not yeah, had the fair. platform yet that Sasha Banks had. Like, they have looked at that situation and not just seen it for what it is, which is a burial of them as the champions because that's what happens to tag teams, but a burial of them as performers of worth because this 
three stadiums. Like WWE do not have the roster to fill these cards. They'll try anyway, and some of it, some of it might be presented as stadium worthy, but that'll be them telling rather than showing. And both those women have a right to look at that and think, hang on, why are we not in the big matches for these big stadiums? Hell in a cell. Like it's a transparent throwaway show. It's you know, it couldn't be more abridged to the big summer. And they know if they're getting beat on there, what chance do they have of doing anything of note in front of the hundreds of thousands of people that are going to turn out in the summer months? They were allegedly told that they were being saved for a tag team title match at uh, Money in the Bank, but you've got to feel like just impulsively. That's, that's, that's worse that's, as well, isn't it? A tag championship match at Money in the Bank. You want to be in one match at Money in the Bank, and that's the one that's going to probably get you to the title. They'd be on the kickoff show as well. <laughs> I guarantee it. Uh it's a fluid developing story. Um, initial reports of a booking pitch that they didn't agree with and it's upset them so much that they've decided to walk um, are now developing into um, a culmination of various factors. This is, how, this is always the case, like death by a thousand cuts, getting pissed off by a thousand Vince McMahon decisions, and there's a contractual element potentially mm-hmm. at play. Ultimately, either... Sasha Banks in particular feels like she's not getting decent enough spots or she's not getting enough money, to which I would say, why not both? Why not give her both? I say constantly, it is a crusade of sorts. It is the reality. WWE is pretty useless at building, promoting new talent. They are just terrible at it. This has given rise to the part-timer era. This has given rise to Cody coming in and just taking a spot because there's no one else to compete for it, really. Sasha Banks, I'll never understand this as long as I live. Sasha Banks has got such an ardent, ultra, baked-in following. Yeah. Even if I had cause to criticize or make jokes about Sasha Banks on Twitter, even if I had, like, the funniest tweet imaginable, would never do it, ever, because her fans are extremely ardent, is the word I'm going to use, because it's the most euphemistic (laughs) word I can think of. It wouldn't be worth my time. Happily, I've got no cause to do this with Sasha Banks because she's incredible. I mm-hmm. really love her work. I can never get past the idea when watching her that she could be so much cooler. In a different creative era, in a different company that cared about women's wrestling, realistically, there aren't that many. So I was going to say, the automatic take of Senate AEW, that's not... It's John Travolta gift, isn't it, in Pulp Fiction? Where? Yeah, yeah. Where, where is it? I just, she's got that which WWE itself is incapable of cultivating you get blips, you get certain peaks in and around WrestleMania season. The year on year on year on year on year trend is that WWE has been hemorrhaging its hemorrhaging its audience for quite some time. Since 2015 was the real sort of the catalyst for it was the Royal Rumble. Uh, this why would I watch this? And yet you've got Sasha Banks, who's quarter hours always do incredibly well, even if she's doing something like risible material with Carmella. The actual matches were sorely underrated, but the actual TV is what earns the revenue and um, reflects her popularity. And she pops quarter hours out the ass (laughs) in a division that WWE does not care about. She should be an afterthought. Her fans and the wrestling public at large are absolutely unwilling to go along with that, and they no-sell her positioning on the card. The more loud voices are exceptionally loud. Why can't you... Push her in accordance with her level of popularity. It must be driving her absolutely insane. It drives me insane. Yeah. She's enormously popular. She's done the hard work. All you have to do is get the icing, which you have made, 
apply it to the top of the cake that you have made and just go put it on just put it on <laughs> just put it on and present her as a proper star and yet they are weirdly unwilling to do this for reasons I simply cannot comprehend just the qu- she's probably the quarter hour draw in an industry defined and mostly monetized by ad revenue and sponsorship Push it. <laughs> it's just so stupid. Give her money and push it. And like, you know, it's always the case with wrestling, isn't it? We've kind of had a few weeks now of whether it be contractual issues, whether it be talent unhappiness with promotions across the spectrum of wrestlers and wrestling promotions. And it's always, you know, the fun is in like digging into the micro details of this specific case. But on a macro level, you can like zoom out a little bit and have a look. Who would have thought that the chaos of the John Laurinaitis talent, talent uh, relations era of the 2010s, you know, 2000s, would have been revisited in 2022 when they hired John Laurinaitis, <laughs> the head of talent relations. Yeah, I guess that brass eye, the one thing we didn't want to happen is happening again, and they expect to be more of it. I think this is a, a runoff. WWE, and to a lesser extent, AEW, but certainly the money. The money that WWE generated in 2019 with those massive contracts, and indeed kind of permitted AEW to be, because television rights were seen to be this thing, go get that money, you know, like it's it's there like it never was before. Has, more than the wrestling war, realistically, has reminded talents that they have to think about their worth again. They have to, you know, especially when you add to that the WWE releases of 2020 and 2021 being followed by reports of record profits. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about this just last week with uh, MJF. It, it must have been MJF or Roman Reigns, whoever it was. You absolutely have to think, about who exactly is at the end of the conversation you're having it with. You know, because it's one thing for wrestlers to have creative frustrations and often feeling powerless uh, to have any leverage or be able to, like, change, especially in WWE, like, be able to change their creative direction. But one of the ways to make yourself most valuable to these promoters is to make them decide how valuable you are. So today, Vince McMahon, like, presumably based on the WWE statement that went online and Corey Gray's comments, he was absolutely fuming in the moment, but in the... You know, hours and days that follow, he will have to determine how valuable these people are to him, and they'll all sit back down, and decisions will be made, or you know, wages will be increased, or creative will be given, whatever. Likewise, in AEW, at some point down the line, one assumes MJF and Tony Khan will have that similar mm-hmm. conversation. This is how, like, more wrestlers, I, like I hope, more wrestlers behave like this. You know, they, they are still they are still workers and they are still billionaires, and for too long that just simply wasn't in the conversation through a lack of competition through a lack of hope i think for any of the talents like i hope i hope we get stories like this all the time i hope this sort of stu- the last sort of eight days that we've had i could have taken an easy low hanging through nine days but the the last week or so we've had pretty much since roman reigns kicks off a bit of discourse about his future and then bought his way to work in know-how shows over the summer and beyond like more and more of that please because it's the only way that like the wrestlers can assume a little bit of leverage in this tiny window of time they've got to work mm. to, to work in this profession. Then again, look at Sting. So, well, <laughs> <laughs> one more thing before we move on. I thought Raw was bo- boring as all hell, by the way. So yeah. I don't really have much to say about the show itself. We'll find ways. We always do. But this is the most important thing. It is so funny. It amuses me to no end that not 24 hours ago, there was this idea that MJF realistically could go to WWE sooner than perhaps even most people would expect under the idea of how they're booking Cody really well, and they are preserving the idea of Cody as this respected, well-placed star, with the idea being that other 
established stars from AEW will follow suit and follow the example and trust WWE to handle their characters and their careers right. 24 hours later, Sasha Banks, their second biggest quarter hour ratings draw, at least, walks out because she's miserable there. <laughs> like, they just are so inept and incompetent. Mm-hmm. For the second time in her WWE career yeah. and in three years. Yeah. Like, this is not the first time she's thought, I cannot take this and this, I'll take a bit more. I cannot take this again. It's bad enough that Naomi's walked because he said that Royal Rumble 2020 reaction was massive. They completely failed to capitalize on that. That is an indication that, right, okay, it doesn't matter how over you get in that company, which is difficult enough in itself, they'll always just squander it. Mm. The fact that, like, Sasha Banks, we talk about Nick Khan's spreadsheet and how there's eight names that are just, that those cells are locked, they're not getting released. Roman, Becky, Seth, Randy, Charlotte, Charlotte, Sasha. So Roman, Becky, Seth, Randy, Charlotte, Sasha. Yeah. Are those the six? Who else is there? Cody I'd, at this point? I'd, I'd Cody now. I'd have made an argument. This is probably too subjective. I'd have made an argument for Bailey because of the value she offers elsewhere rather than the value she offers internally. Like, yeah. She's kind of like, she did. Like, if they're not going to release Mustafa Ali, they're not going to release Bailey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's, there's 10. There's maybe 10. Maybe 10. Sasha's one of them, mm-hmm. and they are still making her miserable. Yeah. <laughs> Madness. Give her loads of money. Anyway, let's talk it's about great this. all this. It's great. Let's talk about this boring show now, which is not I great. really enjoyed Raw. What do you think of Raw? I, I'm kind of a sage, to be honest. Sorry, Robon. It was, like, it was, it wasn't, so I watched this Raw before I knew of the story. Same, and then yeah. the, like, the vibe in the air, bit of the commentary, like it had me kind of having one eye on what the news was going on. So I didn't watch this thinking there was any kind of attached scandal. I don't think I was aware of the six-pack challenge. When was that announced? It was announced on the show. Right, yeah. And so like they they, it, them, yeah. them talking about it was just... I'd I must have... Wasn't in the preview. We didn't preview this, it. Yeah. I just viewed that as the usual. Oh, I so think it's happening on Raw. So they announced that to kill it on television to bolster what was going to be their petty statement about Sasha and Naomi. Oh, did it happen to mid-show? Yeah, I'm not sure about the timeline of okay. them walking out. I know they arrived like hours and hours, obviously, before, and then there was... I don't know, there's differing reports on all that. from those two... This had like multiple examples of my least favorite. We've all got one least favorite WWE tropes. Like this one had multiple examples of mine, like, and we'll get to them as we go along. Uh, I thought this was like mostly quite badly booked. I have so I have some fun with Raw, which is so unusual with WWE now. It's why I've preferred it so much to SmackDown. SmackDown's pathetic attempt to still pretend to be a wrestling show like irritates me most weeks, whereas Raw seems to really embrace what a wacky and stupid universe this yeah. is. And I was just. Not enough of that this week. So I found myself a little bit bored by their attempts to be a wrestling show. Don't do that. You can do that once a month. Treat yourself on a Sunday. Otherwise, like be your sort of most polished version of NXT 2.0, please. That's that's what I want from a Monday night show. Uh, right, let's dive straight into it then. Uh, the show opened with that steel cage match between Bobby Lashley and uh, Omos. Beforehand, uh, Omos comes down with MVP who cuts a promo on Bobby Lashley. We're living in the age of the Nigerian giant, Omos. the week before. <laughs> uh, he's going to brutalize Lashley. Uh, and as Lashley's making his entrance, uh, Gary, the, sorry, Cedric Alexander attacks him from behind. Gary the Go-Go would have far much more success. Um, during his entrance, big brawl. Officials come out. Omos gets involved. They all have to be separated, uh, and Lashley eventually makes his way into the steel cage and waits for Omos, and they have a brief steel cage match, which is exactly what I wanted from them. 
do not drag this out. Look, we know we've talked about the limitations that, that almost has, and Bobby actually <laughs> tries his bloody hardest to get the best out of him. Um, and it was similar to what we saw at WrestleMania Backlash, MVP involving himself in the match. A Kane is perfect, perfect size to slip through those uh, openings in the cage and smash Bobby Lashley in the face, in the eye, in the throat. I don't know. They kept changing their mind about where he was getting hit. Uh, but Lashley eventually grabbed MVP's arm and pulled him into the cage to take him out of it and then turned around and speared Omos for a nice early near fall. Cedric Alexander again comes back to get involved. He climbs the cage uh, to attack Bobby Lashley but gets slammed off the top of it and pulls a brilliant, what the bloody hell was that sort of face? Uh, and Lashley comes off the top as a result of that but almost catches him and chucks him into the side of the cage and then comes the finish, almost slamming Lashley into the other uh, side of the cage. The whole panel of the cage broke and um, a bit like Paul White, Steve Austin is the comparison. Obviously, people are drawing a bit like that. Lashley falls through the cage, realizes where he is and just gets to his feet and is declared the winner as, as him by hook or by crook escaping crook. the cage. By crook, the babyface one. By crook, he stole it. Not his fault. What? He didn't steal anything and... I mean, I called this, so I'm going to take the <laughs> take the W on this. On the preview yesterday, did I or did I not say, Sige, that cage is getting broken for the finish of this match? He absolutely said it. Good. I, like, I'm glad. So I love this opening match. <laughs> I like the match enough because it was like, oh, I can't really fault the agent of this. It was all action. They were in a cage. They weren't in there for very long. They've kept M, uh, MVP's interference as kind of like the main reason to pay attention to this thing. And you're thinking, well, when's Bobby Lashley finally going to get his hands on him? Or are they going to stick him in a shark case so we have to have this match again? But I think we've probably seen now the best version of Lashley and Omos. And, and it was this. This was, yeah, the best. Yeah, yeah, like big feats of strength. I just, and I, don't, I like the finish, by the way. I, I don't mind fundamentally the guy is so big that he like can break a cage with a human body. There, there's merit to that. But I just hated the execution of so much of this. And it's going to be a problem throughout this episode of Raw. First of all, just separate to all of that, almost stood there for like a long time while Lashley was on the ground. So yeah. like a long time he was stood there watching. It was like, well, walk out with that. You don't even need to duck under the door. Just walk out with this giant pad with this hole. Bobby Lashley is not moving. Like you've made a panel for yourself. Don't be stupid. But he was. Everybody's stupid. Lashley gets up. He wins the match. And I really like gets his bearings. And then Cardinal Cinnamine, babyface, on the ramp, celebrating their ill-gotten gains as if they just won the world title. And for Bobby Lashley, the second time he's had to do that this year because they made him do it at the Royal Rumble when Roman Reigns gifted him a belt. Like, it does not... It's not... They'll ask you to forget or they'll show you a video package. It's All of this only exists for content. It only exists for video packages and a kickoff in a month's time on a show that I'm going to praise. So maybe I'm, like, maybe I'm the problem. But just him walking... Like, after Omos idiotically gives him ages to win this match by getting to his feet, to then have to walk to the back and pose like, I did it, I did it again. Jamie, I just, these baby faces just make you hate them. I like hate the way them so much. Like, just the way they present it. And I just, it's Bobby Lashley especially. Yeah. Who you, like, you can't miss with him and they're missing again. Like, this could be the third time they miss with him as a baby face. Yeah. Is, that, is that right? The, the original run in 07, his comeback run, save for the assault course, and now That's this. That's what's next week, though. Well, That's what the almighty challenge hopefully is going to be. That might fix things. And that fixes everything. <laughs> but there was loads of this on Raw. There was loads of this, like, pathetic agent of baby faces just be complete losers and yet throw their arms in the air. Like, you're supposed to just, like, worship them like the next Hogan, Austin, Rock, whomever. I just... I hate it. I hate that presentation of the good guys. Uh, it's not just the presentation of the good guys who, as you say, look like just complete entitled, lucky idiots. <laughs> Run to the ramp as quick as you can. <laughs> chuffed to steal one. Chuffed to steal one. Um, 
it's not just that that I hate. It's the implication of, oh, this one didn't really count. I <laughs> <laughs> didn't really win, did they? But celebrate them winning, but also, like... Have a little bit of sympathy with the heel because they just they just lost yeah. oh, on a technicality. The heels done a good job. The heels <laughs> done a pretty good job there as well. What they are basically communicating to ruffled you a here, seven foot five heels hair. <laughs> and uh, what they are basically communicating to you here is none of this matters. Absolutely none of this matters. None of it really counts. Look at it one way or the other. Sit on the fence. It's all fine because we're probably going to run variations of this back um, imminently. Stay tuned for that. A, a retread because this one didn't really count, did it? Because no one really won and no one really lost either. <laughs> I, I hate it so much. My time is considered nothing to these idiots. And uh, look, I'll put over elements of the way in the, the way in which the match was structured. They had almost doing nothing. It was so good. Like MVP was more active physically in this <laughs> match than Amos. He kind of ran into a turnbuckle at some point. He got about a little bit. Um, Lashley did a lot of the dodging and a lot of the bumping. Um, MVP was the central crux of the story and his interference. Cedric Alexander, the poor bastard, just got a, a horrible bump from the top of the cage. <laughs> anything to make Amos not do anything. <laughs> Why push him? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why push him? Look at the size of him. And again, that finish was Bobby Lashley's like, oh, this is pretty good. It's worked out well for me, had it? What a, what a, what a wa literal waste of time. And on the subject of literal waste of time, I've come to ap appreciate on a perverse level the, um, the, the go and sell your match kid promo minutes before the match. It's not like you do that last week and then the, ma the match is this week. You don't have to do it again. <laughs> but they do because they are incapable of filling three hours of weekly yeah. television and they have been for a decade. I hate everything. <laughs> Uh, it was Mustafa Ali and Theory in a match next. Well, that's what they thought it was going to be. Uh, but beforehand, Theory, whose his entrance now shows photos of him taking selfies with everyone, which I do like, uh, grabs a mic and says, why do you think, Mustafa, you deserve this match? I don't think you do. You know what? Before we do any shenanigans, we're going to have a special guest referee. It's The Miz. And The Miz comes down. He's very happy about wearing his fancy referee shirt and says, actually, you know what else? I don't think it's fair that you get a match immediately against the United States champion after losing last week, which for once is WWE using logic around a championship. <laughs> so you know what? He's got a match where he needs to prove himself first and he will be facing... Oh, sorry, he said, I've taken my advice from uh, Vince. My first lesson, expect the unexpected. Here is... LTST. Via <laughs> Mahan, and Mahan comes down and Ali can't believe it, but he does manage to, to get some decent offense in despite the odds being stacked against him. He gets tripped by theory at one point, but Miz didn't bloody see it as referee, did he? And he eventually fights Mahan and sends him to the outside and sets him up for a big dive. But just as he bounces off the ropes and comes flying towards uh, where Mahan is, the Miz accidentally stands in the way to start counting Mahan out of the ring. Uh, so all this, you know, distracts Ali, um, disrupts his flow somewhat. And uh, after he's finished arguing with the Miz, he turns around into a million-dollar clothesline. Uh, and Veer puts him in the cervix, uh, cervical clutch for the submission <laughs> victory. And then again, post-match, he puts it back on, whilst Theory and the Miz pose for a lovely selfie fundamentally not the worst thing I've ever seen within WWE's everything is fake and there are no rules parameters. It's a nice way of putting it, I think. Yeah. They are advancing Theory's character is the entitled dickhead. They're actually developing his character by realizing he's not that slack-jawed idiot who's got no idea what McMahon's talking about. He's learning the game that Vince McMahon is teaching him. That is genuine character development. 
at the same time. Look at this dovetailing going on on WWE <laughs> Raw at the same time. I thought he was going to say a D word for a split second there. <laughs> Why would I? At the same time, you reinforce the idea that Via Mahan is this unstoppable killer. You advance Mustafa Ali versus Miz as a feud. If you're a WWE fan, I'm not. If you're a WWE fan, you're kind of happy with this, and there are lots of interesting things that interest you and not me going on at once. Adam Wilborn is shaking his head yes. Not a, I'm, I'm in, I am indeed. I, I thought they did really well with all this. I thought it was you know, a good continuation of the story. And I should mention, before I get your thoughts on it, but post-match, uh, Mahan clears the announce table to further murder Mustafa Ali, when who should return? But the Mysterios! They come down, they knock Mahan off the apron, and then Dominic goes for a high cross, but Mahan catches him, but before he can kill that little squirt, uh, Rey Mysterio <laughs> hits him with a seated scent on, and they pose in the ring, and Mahan looks bloody angry at all, them all. Booyaka, booyaka, stare me sees. Yeah, it's... Like, this wasn't, I'm with Cedric, this wasn't pulling up any trees, and it's the same stuff we've seen for decades, but, like, it was fairly functional. What really helps this, I think we talked about this last week, is when so few things make sense in this universe, Austin Theory being the guy to do impromptu match stuff does. Mm -hmm. So him having the immediate line to Vince McMahon, like, it was used to comic effect, wasn't it, the other week with the Miz? Hey, like, you can't, Miz trying to get out of the match, he's like, I sorted it for you, I've got Vince, like, you can play with that. Unfortunately, like general managers do it, and that ruins everything. But Austin Theory is the one guy on this show that we know has Vince on speed dial and is seemingly getting permitted to do all this sort of stuff. Um, the Miz, like MJF really is a less famous Miz, isn't he, when he's refereeing in that cage match in a couple of weeks' time? Because the Miz is like the new special guest refere referee. seems to be just one more thing he can add to his Wikipedia list of achievements. I'm the greatest must-see referee ever. Like, that's going to be... He's going to say that at some point. He's going to use it as a badge of honour. Um... And I, the Mysterio's coming back. That was the one bit of it where after all of that had happened, like as Cedric has described, I was a bit like, oh yeah, them. Because I realised that was where all this was supposed to lead. It's, it's these guys coming back to help uh, Mustafa Ali against like the dreaded Veer. And I was like, oh, they're, they're kind of they're losers. <laughs> they're, they're really rubbish baby faces. But like, I was behind Mustafa Ali's plight, but his bigger plight is now the fact that he's hanging out with dweebs. <laughs> like, the, the baby face side is like... It's just so weak at the moment. I was like, oh, yeah. I'd like, I forgot they were the ones that were entrenched in the feud with it. <laughs> like, he's hanging out with... Like, he's not going to win at the end of all this because he's hanging out with losers. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So as we mentioned, at the beginning of the show, they announced this six-pack challenge. It was going to be uh, Sasha, Naomi, Nikki A.S.H., and uh, Becky Lynch and Asuka. And then, yeah, about half an hour into the show... Becky Lynch is there going to see Postman Pierce and says, I've just seen Naomi and Sasha leave the show with their bags. I don't think they're coming back. Um, so how about we just get rid of the six-pack challenge? I'm a former champion. I never got my rematch. You should just make me number one contender by default. Uh, and then at that point, Pierce told her, no, it's going to be you versus Asuka in the main event. And I thought, at this point, like you say, I was watching this show, Sige, without any knowledge of what had already gone on. And I genuinely thought, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, it, you know... I didn't feel like I'd lost anything because they just sort of randomly said there's going to be a six-pack challenge. And then I was like, well, Becky versus Asuka is a better match, even despite our numbers game, is a better match than a, you know, a six-pack challenge mm. because they're just going to do tag team bollocks. <laughs> it's a robust theory. Yes, they're going to do tag team bollocks with Nikki and Dewdrop and the other and the tag champs and stuff. So I'm, I was kind of all right with it, but I was yeah, completely unaware as to what had actually gone on at this point. Yeah, just... I had no interest either when I was watching this. Like, oh, what's all what about... Oh, it's some bollocks that they do. It's just some bollocks <laughs> exactly, that they like yeah. the show on the fly yeah. all the time. It's just some bollocks that they've decided to say. I like, did I miss something on SmackDown that might have created this storyline development mm. of uh, Banks and Naomi leaving? I've not done my job properly. <laughs> I had a power panic watching it this morning. I was like, did someone mention on commentary during the opener? Or, you know, I thought they said that they, she just saw them leaving with their bags, but did she... Did she, you know, did they say, oh, someone's stolen their bags or uh, what was going on? And it was just, no, they, they've legitimately just left. And as you mentioned uh, throughout the show, we then get Corey Graves going, unprofessional. So I love as well the Undertaker taping his fists, Griff Burner's nature of the rearranged match. They could have done. So if you're doing a six pack to set up contenders for titles, you could just do a four way with the four remaining women, could you not? Not least with two wrestlers that could theoretically be pinned in the context of the story they're currently telling, which is Nikki SH and Dewdrop trying to find momentum together and you know, maybe Nikki gets pinned, whatever. Something along those lines. They team up, they isolate Asuka. Yeah. She's like, Yeah, beat her. And she's like, I'm gonna pose and do a superhero thing. Boom, all boom, that, boom. Yeah. All that sort of stuff, right? An easy out. But And the, the mask wouldn't even help her from the mist. But they book the big singles match between Asuka and Becky. Yeah, spoiler alert, like for the later on in the review, and, and Becky loses. That's proper WWE just business singers like uh, <laughs> uh, Sasha. You're not as big a star as Becky, and look what she did for just business tonight. <laughs> she went out there in a singles match, and she did the right thing, the time and tradition of this business. Like, they couldn't have just done their usual bollocks, basically. Mm. They they want, like, that main event, the, what they decided to do was to make a point. Mm. And, like, uh, like uh, you know, everyone's got to make a living in that. But they're sending Becky out there as, like, a... Good soldier for this company. I would, I would laugh more at that, but it does kind of form the central crux to my argument as to why The Rock is better than Stone Cold Steve Austin. So, <laughs> so he put the right people over, and Stone Cold just well took his ball and went home. In the words of someone else. Oh damn that phrase! <laughs> uh, next up, it was uh, tag team champs in singles action against each other: Riddle versus Jimmy Uso. 
Skip! Oh, thank Christ. Oh, I left the gap there for a reason, yeah. boys. We've seen this about 10 times. Riddle rolled up Jimmy for the win, and apparently Riddle uh, Orton wasn't there because Jey Uso was there because uh, of some family. Celebrated his win on the ramp like a true babyface. Paused, paused and ran. Anyway, for all that, it's now time for this. It's short, it's crap, it's wrestling related. The five star review review. Nailed it! A bit of a delay there. Uh, but this week's five star review is brought to you by Rick from Dallas. If you want your name associated, uh, I'm sorry, I was working on a funny tweet. That's so, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so, it's like so unprofessional. I'm sorry. If you went your name associated. It wasn't even your regular noise. It was more Randy Orton. Like, I'm like, ah. <laughs> I love, love my <laughs> Anyway, this week's five-star review review is brought to you by Rick from Dallas. If you want your name uh, associated with the five-star review. Is that review. any good? <laughs> That's good. It's good. At M. Sidrick. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you want to share something short, crap, and wrestling related for us to review instead of a god awful rule segment or a match we've seen about 20 times, uh, do that. Just like Rick from Dallas, who writes Hello! I love this bloody good show and listen to every episode as soon as it comes out. I especially love the bloody good quiz and play along with it. For a five star review review, could you please review the worst Raw segment of all time? Bobby Lashley and Lana's wedding on the last Raw of 2019. No. Have fun <laughs> with this one, mate. Sincerely, Rick from Dallas. P.S. What is the best and worst WrestleMania in your opinion? X-17 is the best. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll give you the correct answer. Uh, night one, WrestleMania 38 is the best, and night two of WrestleMania 38 is the, 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 is the worst. 36 is up there as the worst, obviously. Yep. Two two's, horrendous. Two's really hard shift. Two's 13, hard. what's the one with Hogan? Uh, which one? Hogan coming oh, in. Nine. Nine, nine yeah. sorry, yes. I think that was like over-criticised because people just have no sentimental attachment to the aesthetic, which was stunning. I think, <laughs> I think four is massively overrated. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a good match in the bunch. Yeah. Uh, two, four, 36. God, I thought it was for nine. 25 is rank. Like, yeah. oh my god, yeah. Lift, lift Undertaker Sean. anniversary though, so. <laughs> lift Undertaker Sean off that and you're in trouble. Ricky Steamboat carrying the load with Chris <laughs> Jericho for five minutes. Ironically, what's he going to be doing again when he faces Ric Flair <laughs> soon, apparently? Um, yes. I hope it's him carrying the load. So, <laughs> Rich from Dallas, 32, stunk and was the yeah. first time you get to the end of it and you just... I spent a whole working day watching this show. It was like seven in the morning, it was daylight outside and Triple H and Roman have just gone 20 minutes and... If 17 is the default answer... Right, and it's uninteresting as a result. What's the other number one? 19's uh, pretty good. 19's good. For me, it's either... 35? I'm really biased. <laughs> I'm gonna say 30. I like... Th 35 was my first one live, but I like 35. Yeah, I just I don't know if you'd ever sit through and watch it again, because you can't three the long ones. Three genuinely unforgettable moments in that show. Well, the long Four, range, arguably. Isn't it, so. 24, that's my second favourite, I think. Yeah, 24 is really good. Floyd Mayweather is such like, yeah. big show, so good. good if you can do something not terrible involving big show, it automatically gets a <laughs> Yes. You want to be able to like rattle off five amazing things about Amania straight away, and I'm putting myself under pressure now, but with 24, you've got the amazing aesthetic, you've got one of the best ever streak matches with Edge, you've got legitimate emotions between Sean and Ric Flair, you've got an awesome celebrity match, and you've got Hornswoggle getting hit with a bin. <laughs> and, and <laughs> I forgot about that one. Five. And a fun Money in the Bank match as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, sorry, I distracted though. You were going to complain about Rick's suggestion. No, what's the point? We've done this already. <laughs> the, whole, 
if you want to know what my thoughts are, go uh, go and watch. Listen, we, Conrad. Like, thanks for the support and the listen. I'm not being facetious, but oh, I've already done this. A, a fellow regular top five podcast charts dweller, Conrad. Not always above us, but he does well. Oh, he's um, he makes a point of always saying, like, go back in the archives to listen to it. I want people to do that, but we we can't at the moment, can we? Yeah, for some reason, there's some like we go back thing. to like 2020 or something. But there is a, a deep dive into this segment as it happened, like the what 24 hours afterwards, mm-hmm. where we gave our extended thoughts on this. This has got to be one of the more recent. I'd have to check the Kidicker spreadsheet. Got to be one of the more recent. Yeah, like sorry. two minutes. I think it was <laughs> when like, the, when the Yanks haven't really woke up yet. It's not bad. <laughs> is this off the top of your head the first segment that we'll be reviewing twice? Because this is in. Will Bourne and the Dadley Boys canon era yeah. review and Monday Night Raw. Yeah, so why we're doing it? Well, because <laughs> I've not actually got you to watch it. I want to see how yeah. well you remember this this car crash of a <laughs> wedding. First off, I'll start with a simple thing. Well, uh, uh, Hamlet, do you want to remind us of the backstory? <laughs> not really. <laughs> not really. <laughs> <laughs> you remember it? Rusev comes back as yeah. a as a heel, I think, uh, and then he's he's wrestling one match on Raw one night, and then Lana returns, and she's like. Yeah, he reserve. <laughs> like I'm naked on my Bobby. Great Lashnow. theme for Lana, if I remember. And they yeah. Huge bab. They're necking. And uh what what results in millions and millions of YouTube clicks later is weeks and weeks of them necking. Like any segment where the thumbnail is grim Lana and Lashley shagging. Hotel room. Yeah. Massage. Yeah. Just kiss. These isolated segments on YouTube do mad numbers for WWE, and it just moves up and up and up and up the card until we reach the sort of the coming together of the thing that is doing numbers right now versus the thing that always does numbers in a wedding. Put your hands together. It can't fail. Smash cut two. Rusev, career's dead in WWE. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real purpose, surely, of all of this. Anyway, the thing is, it works so well before with the whole Summer Ray storyline. <laughs> My favourite aspect of this, I remember it well. Was um, they did the segment where Lana was given, what did she call him, Bobby or my Bobby or something yeah. like that, a deep tissue massage. Yeah, yeah. And the whole idea Maybe. was Lana kept saying, "Enjoying your deep tissue massage." Basically, at least ten inches. <laughs> <laughs> the, the subtext of like they talk about deep. You went up there. <laughs> 2019, that would have been. Even then, there would have been people watching Raw going like, thank God we've got NXT. And it eventually became the stage for this. Oh, sorry. Carry on. So is that, if you finished there? Because I've just, I've got really thrown. Because took your eye out there. Because I Googled, (laughs) I Googled Lana Massage, right? And there's like, Rusev and Lana setting a trap for Enzo Amore. Remember that one? Maybe we'll go back and do do that again. Oh, yeah. Who said who or what? She was like, I'll oh, come to my hotel room, Enzo. And he was like, I'm going. I just walked around Stark Bollock. <laughs> in the nude. And like Rusev decked him. But I've, ser- I've searched Lana Massage to try and find the views on that. And I've just found two separate Good luck videos. Good the algorithm, pal. Yeah, I've found two separate videos about uh, CJ Perry, WWE superstar. Siege. Getting uh, massages from this guy called Dr. Bo Hightower. And it- <laughs> I think he knows exactly what he's doing here. because He's already called it Cock Skyscraper, <laughs> so I think he does as well. WWE Superstar CJ Perry, Lana, all caps, DEEPEST ADJUSTMENTS! <laughs> WWE Superstar Lana, all caps, CRUNCHY FOOT ADJUSTMENTS! <laughs> millions and millions of views for that one. 
Yeah, so and that was the backstory. Do you want to have a guess at uh, how many views the the brief? It's it's not the whole wedding. It's not all the interruptions. It's just went on like twenty minutes. I think as well. Oh yeah. my god! Like last half an hour of raw. It's just just Liv Morgan and the fallout that we're going to talk about in a second. How many views do you reckon you've got on YouTube for that? Uh, it's five million. One hundred and thirty-nine million. Incredibly close. Five point eight million. Oh. With another 4.2 million on the raw exclusive, here's what happened when the cameras turned off and they chucked some more cake at each other. Basically. They were big at that at the time as well. Like they'd put their thumbnail from the sick stuff in like their, their aftermath, like their network exclusive interview. So you get twice the clicks off, yeah, the, yeah, off yeah. the grot and grumble. Grot. <laughs> See what the most popular. Lashley's shocking kiss to Lana leads to an attack on Rollins, apparently. 9.8 million. Bobby Lashley wants a divorce from Lana, 3.7 million. Lana kisses Bobby Lashley after reeling her divorce, 10 million. Unseen reactions to Lana and Lashley's kiss, 7 million. It's 51 seconds, that. <laughs> 7 million. Uh, yes. Lashley won the feud comprehensively, didn't he? Yep. He won, like, the mixed tag at some rubbish network special, and then he beat him in a singles match. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so, <laughs> wedding, what are we doing? Oh, yeah, so they're in the ring, they've got all the set up and the, the plinths and the flowers and the priest and what have you, uh, and they go to do the whole, any, you know, anyone's got any reason, speak now forever, hold your peace sort of thing. Some bloke walks out, basically, uh, and he says, I'm Lana's first husband. She married me when she just turned 18, uh, and then she, then she left me for that son of a bitch Rusev. I remember the son of a bitch guy. That son of a bitch and that <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> and I thought it was really f- funny. Yeah, he said, uh, uh, she, left, she left me for this son of a bitch, and she'll uh, and now, uh, she left me for that son of a bitch, and she'll do the same to this son of a bitch. Uh, but what move? It's almost like Seinfeld when they say the same words in a, in a few lines of dialogue. That's what how move funny does it Bobby is. Lashley hit this fool with? Pass the Dominator. Dominator. The choke slam. Yeah. Choke slams this fool, and uh, Jerry Lawler. He's he's on. He's having the best time of it. Says, uh, well, they say for better or for worse, but apparently not for good. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. <laughs> Back to the priest. Is this the era of Jerry Lawler, Vic Joseph and Mace on commentary? I think so. He certainly <laughs> says, oh, wow. remember, that, remember that graphic? I think he like, certainly <laughs> said Vic. Vic was definitely yeah. there. I don't know about, I don't know about uh, it Mace. Com- it was until um, uh, Braz put Mace through a table and wrote him off screen. He wanted to go back to NXT. And was wrestling. not Lesnar? Was it Lesnar, was it? I thought it was like Seth Gang. Like, they, were, they attacked him or something at a college oh, maybe. Because it's like right at the start of, like, I say the start of this, was right around the brief period of Skate Ramp Raw because you had that big match where, like, Kevin Owens is like, I think we know the guy in the big show just returned. And <laughs> yeah. then Kevin Owens did the big run-up and they had a massive match that was, like, long, like three months later you're in a pandemic, loads of people have been fired. It's like, was this real? <laughs> like, did I imagine this match? It is weird watching this era of Raw because it was like... I think the pandemic might have been a good thing because <laughs> it's an absolute car crash here. Can you remember the law of the ramp? Why the ramp existed? Must Why? have been dynamite, was it? Yes. Yeah. It was 48 hours before the dynamite <laughs> premiere where they thought, right, yes, should we like build some new stars to combat this potentially, you know, disruptive promotion? No, let's build a new stage and give these marks fireworks. Yeah. Uh, it just starts. They don't want none. They don't want none. They repeatedly just like thwarted any attempts to like. Make fans happy. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of fans are saying, please do fireworks and pyro, make it feel like an event and like a big time thing. So it just feels a bit drab and like you don't really care. And I think Road Dog, of course it was Road Dog, that complete 
dickhead who was like flying the anti-fireworks flag of like among other flags that you shouldn't be waving. <laughs> um, said something effective. Why'd you care? <laughs> goddamn firework asshole. And then suddenly, suddenly, when like the, the few like you know the, the, you know we all know that Donny. Don't do what Donnie WWE does, handbook with which AEW sprang into life. Oh, we're going to give you fireworks, and wins and losses are going to matter. And like, uh, 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 those two things, man. I'll do fireworks, then. <laughs> beat, those, beat those assholes to the punch on fireworks after five years of not giving them into it. I, wanna, wanna, I like when how dickheaded they are, you know, at times. When you said fireworks. It's almost impressive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you said fireworks that matter asshole, those two words together made me think that guy from the Euros that fired one out was flu. Remember that? Was <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. up his Anyone clean uh, from the ringer? So the priest, the priest uh, says, "Speak now, forever hold your peace." It's a pause, and he goes, "Hallelujah!" He was actually quite good. The priest, and all this, <laughs> I give him that. Uh, and then a lady interrupts. But which lady from NXT 2.0 is it? Ooh, Electra Lopez. Correct, oh, Michael yes. Sidgwick. She is Bobby Lashley's first wife. To which the priest goes, "Oh dear God!" <laughs> uh, there's. Jerry Springer chance in 2019. Uh, they met in the military, Michael Sidgwick. It was so beautiful. But before you continue the story, honestly, rewatching just for this, Lana hitting her so hard across the face, she just completely tumbles down the <laughs> stairs. And they go, right, there we go. And she shouts, don't ever come to my wedding again. What? Our <laughs> okay. oh, Lana was saying a lot of nonsense around this time. Can you remember? It was fantastic. <laughs> around this time. <laughs> Just give her a mic. She's good value. She's good value. Uh, so Lathering. He asked for a third time if anyone could show just cause. Speak now or forever. And he does mean forever. Hold your peace. And then out comes Liv Morgan, which had, which had been built up sitting in a bath. Correct? Uh, yeah. Big big changes were coming for Liv Morgan. She was, was very that. confused. She was and... a female fiend, wasn't she? Yeah, that was, that was, she's going to be like Sister Abigail. Yep. Uh, but there was like a few vignettes where I was like, I don't know what my direction is in life. And I think, like, uh, basically one of the old uh, white fellas in management was like, oh, fuck, these Gen Xers. I was talking about how troubled and confused and wayward they are. Let's just do a gimmick with that. And then I was like, actually, no. no I'd love to uh, make her a lesbian instead. Yeah. I'd love to see one of them watch. Is it called Euphoria? Where it's got like Zendaya and the people like take drugs and sparkle and stuff. And then be like, is this what young people are doing? <laughs> anyway, she comes out and she goes, the love of my life is right there. I wouldn't have made it through this year if it wasn't for our love. I came to the WWE a lost soul. Why is it Keith Lee? It's <laughs> <laughs> the writing of this. I had to write everything else. I was like, I'm just giving vague notes. And this, I was like, Jesus. I came to the WWE lost soul, a wild child ending her teen years just hoping that her dreams come true. And I never knew that I could be myself <laughs> <laughs> until we met and fell in love with each other. How could you do this to me? Uh, and for some reason at this point, she's walking down the ramp, she's cutting this promo. All the fans care about is not like, oh my God, it's so scandalous. Presumably something's happened with the ramp earlier on because they just go, you know, like, it's got a great point, Sting. <laughs> All they're yelling is, watch your step, watch <laughs> your step. And she steps over like this one bit, presumably where the ramp connects with the, the arena floor. And they go, yeah! <laughs> it's quiet as well, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I remember this segment oh, playing out to, like, rap piss. Oh, no, no one cared. No one cared. No. Uh, and Lashley says, I'm going to do the priest reaction as well at the same time. Lashley says, Hey, I've never touched this woman in my entire life. And the priest goes, oh, come on, like that. <laughs> and she goes, oh, 
I'm not talking about Bobby. Why is it Tiffany Stratton now? <laughs> I'm talking about Lana. And then pause. People are, I was like, there's only one person in the ring that she could be talking about. People are like, who could it be if she's not talking about Bobby? She's not talking about Bobby. not talking about Bobby. Who could she be talking about? Lesbian? What? Uh, and then they get in and they just meh, meh, meh at each other like, oh, how could you do this to me? Oh, you know, you're ruining my wedding sort of thing. Catfight happens. Bobby Lashley pulls faces and slowly uh, referees and Finley get involved, separate them and like a dress is all ripped up and flowers have gone everywhere. Just Livermore gets taken off. Breeze goes, okay, man, yes, man, woman, yes, woman, okay, good. By the power of and me, by the state of, you remember, guess, remember the state? Oh, this should no. be, uh, uh some <laughs> Maryland, uh, New Mexico, Connecticut, oh, of course. Lana, Bobby. I hereby pronounce you, and then Rusev emerges out of He's the, loving these. The <laughs> cake is well, cake display is yeah. the best way of putting it. But the funniest thing is, it's so unwieldy. Like you think about classic moments of like people coming out of cakes and just, or people coming out of boxes and just like it's so difficult to get out of. He has to remove the lid, throw it at Bobby. It just sort of falls near him, and Bobby knows it's going to take a bit of time to get out <laughs> of this. So Bobby has to look at the lid. He just turns and looks at the lid of the cake. Whilst Rusev separates the rest of it and then walks up behind Bobby Lashley to beat him up. They clobbers him about a bit, basically. Um, and he's beating up Lashley and, and Lana tries to stop him. And he just goes, get off. And then, like, Matchka kicks uh, Bobby Lashley. And then Liv Morgan returns. She's beating up a referee, someone else. And my name's Finley and I love to fight. Got rid of him. <laughs> She's come back and she she chucks Lana's cake into her face into the cake to, to close the show, to send the fans home happy. I remember specifically Liv Morgan at the end doing that and all was being like, right, if you disregard like the sexist homophobia of the rest of this segment, at least like try and make some narrative sense of just this bad WWE comedy. And you can't. Because if she wanted to break this wedding up because, like, five seconds ago, she was still in love with Lana. Like, if you try and break any of this down, you can't because it makes no sense. They are looking for, like, the crowd to gasp at the idea of a woman being in love with another woman. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Like, I jerk off over this at home. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, you mentioned that. Should we go to the comment section? Oh, of course, oh, of course, Christ. of course. Once of again, course. really, uh, the lawyers made sure I do have to say it this time. These do not reflect the views of myself. Something's getting edited out. Something is getting edited out. Never. I will never do this to our listeners. Oh, this oh. is not like a comment spoiler as well, but like I do distinctly remember this at the Titan. For the people that watched this that weren't watching cock in hand, we're like, well, at least like 2020 can't be any worse. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so these do not reflect the views of myself, Daddy Boys, anyone on what culture wrestling. Uh, quite a funny one to start off with. Uh, Cayman writes, Jerry Lawler quotes, I've never seen anything like this in my life. Also attended Edge and Lita's wedding on Raw, which was one of the best weddings there was. Also be married to about six 20-year-olds. <laughs> five, five <laughs> that's the best priest I've ever seen at a wedding in the name of the Father, the Son, and Jesus Christ, and Kane person. I remember watching that live with a mate of mine. It was so good. Firing on to a 2019 WWE YouTube video to identify a plot hole. I think the joke's on him. Uh, <laughs> right there. Uh, Got him. I mentioned earlier, though, about the confusion when she's like, I'm not talking about Bobby. DX195 has got a good joke. He writes, <laughs> imagine if she was talking about the priest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Right, remember last week when people were like, this is the best thing I've ever seen, the best thing they've ever done. Yeah, I mean, the funniest thing I've ever... It was Randy Orton's top ten funniest yeah. moments. <laughs> Donny Kane's been on. Uh, Donny writes, This wedding was absolutely the funniest thing I've seen in recent years. My teenage daughter... It sounds like Vince has written this. My teenage daughter persuaded me to watch the start of it, and I couldn't stop watching it. Ryan Sutton? It had one <laughs> twist after the other. The most hilarious being her ex-husband coming out of the cake to attack Bobby. The preacher's hesitation to ask if there was any just cause uh, was my tipping point. My daughter laughed so hard she started choking. <laughs> the only thing missing from that being a Vince one is my daughter at the time. <laughs> Can you imagine what their voices sound like? Shadow yokel choking. Yokel choking. Chuckle yokel. Chuckle yokel, huh? <laughs> I've been choking, I've been out around the back, choking my yokel. We were better reviewers three years ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Asta's been on, by the way. Bro, when Liv said Lana, I started laughing so hard I nearly passed out. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. And why? Well, if that got you to the point of passing out, you'd never watch Raw, would you? It's uh, another one of my favourites, this. Not, you know, like, filth. That's coming later. That's coming, yeah, don't yeah. worry. Oh, don't you worry, that's coming. <laughs> um, when they sit, like, we talk about one of these, and it's awful, right? As this is, right? But someone in the comments goes, you know, it would make this one better, and then pitches something, and it's even worse. Do you want to have a guess at what jittery jackanape has suggested would have been the icing on the cake? <laughs> Um, Bobby Lashley and Rusev reveal that they're gay lovers. <laughs> no, not quite. Bobby Lashley's trousers falling down. <laughs> no. Jerry. The priest just gives one a hand job. Jerry, not Jack and Abe writes. <laughs> the icing on the cake would have been if Brother Love did the wedding. So that's Bruce Pritchard. He, <laughs> he, he did. He did. He did. He did. <laughs> yeah, he basically did. He loves weddings, doesn't he? Stupid old twat. <laughs> weddings and old twat. Uh, Dash has been on. Not that one, I assume. Dash uh, writes, Lana came to the WWE in the wrong era. She should have come in either in the Attitude Era or the Ruthless Aggression Era so that we would have been able to explore some more of her beautiful body. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Explore. Oh, Christopher Columbus. <laughs> just an incel. <laughs> Right, we can tell where we're heading now. That was the that was the gateway. Final couple of comments here. Um, <sighs> Josh Doherty sort of reiterating what a lot of people was, were saying. I'm worried now. Yeah. Well, it's funny. This this is an exchange. I haven't got one of the comments because it's been deleted. But he writes the things I well. <laughs> the things I do the things I do to slash with Lana. <laughs> Omg, so dirty. Right. Hopefully, That's, hopefully with. Yeah. In his head. But um, <laughs> it's not, not going to happen for him. So he's, that's, a Bri- that's a Brian Potter in Phoenix Nights. The best that style of things I'm going to do to you. <laughs> the best bit is someone's clearly gone, you know, like said something about. Well, anyway, Josh has responded. <laughs> I'm actually engaged. <laughs> <laughs> Josh has been back on. He writes. <laughs> I'm actually engaged, but I can still say what I do to other women. It's all hypothetical. It's not technically cheating. (laughs) (sighs) My fiancé goes to another school. (laughs) 
Uh, presumably, uh, two years on. Huh? Congratulations to Mr. and Mrs. Doherty. <laughs> Uh, and the final comment, here we go, is from Archtube. Archtube. <laughs> Archtube. Okay. <laughs> Just right. <clears throat> <laughs> Sorry. This is getting edited out. <laughs> <laughs> Just right. <laughs> Liv is such an easy nut every time. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> He's absolutely loving it. <laughs> so thanks to Rick from Dallas for suggesting that. Oh, yeah, I'll thank you in the end. <laughs> if you want to suggest something, sure, grab a wrestling related for us to review. Uh, then then please, please do that. <laughs> let's return to Monday Night Raw. Let's get serious. So Liv Morgan was backstage <laughs> next. <laughs> Do you know who she's with? Kevin Patrick! <laughs> uh, she says, uh, Rhea Ripley's not going to get away with what she did. Liv Morgan never gives up on a fight, as we've just seen. Uh, anyway, here come Los Lotharios, the lethal lovers, and they say, oh, why don't we cheer you up by putting you on the kiss cam? And she's like, nah, you're all right. <laughs> uh, AJ Styles and Finn Balor thankfully step in and call them creep and tell them to piss off uh, and offer to, to, to let her join them which is more than they did last week when they just went, oh, should we do the too sweet thing while she's getting her head caved in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that, yeah. Hey, look who's here. Yeah, Shall we help? <laughs> did, I, did I watch this correctly, right? This happens on Raw sometimes. Did I just see the thing I just saw or not? They haven't given me 15 recaps to remind me. Was she like, hmm, I don't know, guys. I'm going to need a thing. And then she just... Came out yes, in intro, exactly intro that. Well, I took six seconds, and now I've keep my music up and yours. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bullet Club, <laughs> which I'm a member. She, she, she said she sort of. I was getting like vibes of like maybe she's got the, the got feelings for one of the team, right? Yeah, and so she's a bit like, oh, this is a bit awkward. Oh, I'll have a think about it. But yeah, there was one the Judgment Day segment, and yeah. then she was like, well, that's made up my mind. <laughs> <laughs> he put he put a skull ring on a scale. I think I know which side I'm picking. <laughs> Awful. Uh, but we should talk about that segment, actually, because it was the Judgment Day next. Uh, Edge was sat on his little chair uh, with Rhea Ripley and Damien Priest there, and Damien Priest said, we're just not getting it yet. We should rise and pay respect to the Judgment Day. Uh, they do whatever they want to whoever they want, and whoever steps to them will face nothing but punishment. And Ripley said, uh, I'll not be the figure of my mistakes. There is nothing holding me back. Now is the time for complete and utter eradication. Uh, and Edge talked about fans being angry and the idiots and just the same old bollocks that he's been saying. The state of the world and he's got the, what his new followers, I forgot what he called them again, but everyone still needs to stop being sheep. Edge lords. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, we've got everyone's seen what they can do to the likes of Balor and Styles and, and, and Morgan and said, anyone could come and join us. Um, we're even open to, to the guys we've beaten up. Even you, AJ Styles, could... Become one of us. A load of bollocks again, this one, isn't it? Yeah, total load of bollocks. Not only is the content a load of bollocks, and it's risible, and it's really funny, and a perverse level to laugh at it, but, like, I said that WWE does not tell a story. They don't. They give you the premise of why two characters might hate one another, and then they give you an explanation of who the characters are again. Some kind of fight and brawling sometimes happens, but mostly it's matches, and then matches with no finishes, and then a match with the pink with no finish, and then uh, it kind of ends. All they do, there's not story here. There's no actions. 
that lead to actions. There is to a degree, but very, very minimal. They just say, here they are. Just let you know, they tell you and don't show you. Here they are. So, like, stakes don't happen, twists don't happen. Like, not stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel nothing for any of this, other than the fact that it was done backstage. So there felt like less need to lean on the um, local sports team cheap heat. But still did that a bit, though. But it might have been worse for the content of the promo because we just got more goth messages. Eradication. Eradication. Damien Priest, do you laugh? <laughs> like, it's just, just, a, just late. Like, they're for some, they're not for me. Basically, I would think that Edge's promos, when you get like the format sheet, it's all like, in, you know, Curry and you, or like um, you know, Montserrat, or whatever the fonts are. I think Edge is all just in that black metal font. <laughs> every word that comes out of his mouth sounds like a really bad black or death metal band. Mm. <laughs> uh, before we got the it's match. An absolute hack and he's ruining his legacy. <laughs> <laughs> before we got to the uh, Stars and Balor versus Los Authorios match featuring Liv Morgan, uh, Corey Gross reminded us that um, Sasha Banks and Naomi are unprofessionals. Yes. Who said that? Uh, Corey. Just made sure he mentioned that on commentary again because this was before the main event. Because he, he said it again he, before he the did main it. Event. He did it on several occasions. Yeah. Jesus Christ, I love this. Mm-hmm. I love the idea Great, of Vince in that in that seat, just absolutely the the fume, <laughs> the fume. I'll make sure everyone was on phone. He gets like mixed up in the gimmick and what's real and what's kayfabe, and he gets Austin Theory to do it in a promo. Yeah. <laughs> Vince just has me to say there are a couple of assholes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like it if, if Corey couldn't quite understand him because. So you just like say, yeah, yeah, in fact, unfortunately, Sasha Banks and Naomi have, have left the arena. They are complete professionals. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then we got, yeah, Liv Morgan introducing Styles and Balor, who were really un- incredibly popular as a team. I enjoyed this little match against Los, Los Lotharios. We all knew wh- where it was going. But, you know, uh, Angel and Umberto, they got a bit of uh, offense in. They controlled it through the break. When we come back, Balor makes the hot tag, comes in, uh, goes to shotgun drop kick, but uh, Angel catches him with a super kick. And there was a brilliant bump by uh, Umberto Carrillo. He comes off the top. It was a bit of a flying nothing, granted. Yeah. But the bump was sensational. Uh, Balor got his legs up and Humberto just did like a flip bomb that looked amazing. Um, and then the finish sees uh, Angel getting hit with the phenomenal forearm whilst Balor hits Humberto with the coup de grace, one, two, three, and Morgan, two sweets at the end to a huge bad <laughs> It's a shame that um, Los Lotharios are as talented as they are only to be like warm bodies in this match because typically, like, it's not the first time we've described like one of their matches where they just get squashed or or they're just like, you know, they're nothing really. It was like when they were working on SmackDown and getting this gimmick over the Are they not on SmackDown? Well, I, I think they moved to Raw because of the need for the um, kiss cam on Raw. I think that was oh, right. that was prioritized, I believe, um, along with like the DX cam and the Undertaker cam and all that. But <laughs> it's like they've had matches like this before where you have this one little takeaway and it's like, oh, they're pretty good. It doesn't matter. They're there to lose. It doesn't matter how talented they are. Like, they, they want your jobbers to be better than half of your actual roster now. But I like AJ and Balor as a team. Yeah. And I sense that they're, like, away from my own subjectivity, the building ten, buildings have tended to agree so far. It's, like, people have wanted these two specifically when there's been little inferences to Bullet Club over the years. I wanted these two specifically to come together. It's a bit of a Bullet Club supergroup because they were never together mm-hmm. as part of Bullet Club, you know? The work sort of has spoken for itself with these two for the longest time. But Raw's tag division has kind of benefited from workers of this talent, if you think of Owens and Rollins where they say coming together and just adding to the mix. So I'm kind of in favour of it. Fans really like Liv Morgan coming together with them. 
these feel like the positive upshot of the Judgment Day existing. Mm. Is that this little group has come together. It's a bunch of people everybody like, and they like them even more together than they did separately. That's effectively what a steel hable function, a steel, a heel stable functions mm-hmm. to do. Yeah, I, th- I thought this was really good, this. It was quite good. Uh, and it continued because we go backstage. Oh, thank you! With Jack Gable and Otis and Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is just... He's banter. He's so banter. Oh, he's, he's just... Uh, we'll talk more about him in a little bit. Uh, but they've got the results from the DNA test from the DNA lab. <laughs> um, and they've got some from... Uh, they got a hair from Elias's old guitar. Before we forget it, can I just... Um, are they open the envelope yet? No, not yet. Okay, come to me because I love this. Okay, so uh, they've got the thing from the the red cup from Ezekiel, and they've got Elias's hair from an old guitar. Um, and Gable's explaining the process, and Owens grabs the envelope. You want to jump in here? Yeah, and Chad Gable is like, "Oh no, what about the anticipation?" And Kevin's like, "Not the anticipation. I just want another result." And I just organic cross talk between idiots <laughs> is kind of it's always sunny in Philadelphia esque. Like Chad Gable pops me. No end. Mm. Absolutely no end. He watches that show as well because remember when they were doing the, the quiz thing and the buzzer kept going <laughs> off when he was wrong and he was doing his Dennis Reynolds. Yeah. I'm thinking he genuinely is patting some of his comedic stylings after It's Always Sunny. Fresh, yeah. And I really, really enjoy him for that. Yeah, he was great here. They all were. Uh, but unfortunately, the test results were inconclusive because they've been cam- contaminated by barbecue sauce. I mean, you know, that's. Uh, I'll give that oh, a pass. I liked Otis's panic of like, oh, yeah, well, Elias must have eaten some poor pork <laughs> before he played guitar. That was the difference. Right, Otis immediately going into denial. Also, we talked about, like, with this angle, it requires you to, like, make certain concessions for how fundamentally silly it is. This is one of those, again, like, this angle being able to, this makes, it's Butch the Dog, again, this makes so much more sense than most WWE. You know, like, every week there's, like, these these two people that just need to get at each other, but they're going to do it in, like, seg three of Monday Night Raw. Like, what's been happening in the last seven days? This one, like, they have been waiting until the Raw cameras are rolling on them backstage. Kevin Owens couldn't have possibly just gone to Chad Gable. You know, oh, you got the results on Thursday. Like, oh, cool, I'll, I'll see you Friday morning. We'll get the, we'll get the envelope up. We'll expose him on national television. It's, it's got to be raw. It's got to be in this stupid world they all exist in. As It's got to be Otis accidentally loading the envelope with his chicken grease fingers. His barbecue sauce it's Owens points a finger and he's like, I saw you in Gator and you're having a lot of ribs, actually. Uh, my favourite was just Chad Gay with, shush, shush, please. And then he goes, don't worry, I'm going to go out there and beat the truth out of Ezekiel or Elias tonight. And Owens went, you say you'll do that every week. (laughs) (laughs) And he was wearing a Sami Zayn Forever t-shirt. That made me happy. That's nice. Uh, Then we got Alexa Bliss. Michael Sidgwick, on the preview yesterday, I said, what's next for Alexa Bliss? Because obviously she's been Sonya Deville in 40 seconds, so this won't happen again. So she faced Sonya Deville. Uh, (laughs) And this match went about 10 times as long. Went about, I don't know, four minutes or some bollocks. That wasn't very good. Uh, Bliss's new music. Any thoughts? Generic. Another one. Another one ruined for next year's Royal Rumble. When she the did have her old music yeah. last week, didn't she? Yeah, because yeah. the sting generated pop. Just something else. Next year's Royal Rumble. And now it's. Honestly, this by next twenty twenty. What year are we in? Twenty twenty three Royal Rumble. Yeah. And we sat there doing the stream, and I'm not going to pop for anyone or record. Like this year, I have to, oh, full, full confession time. Some people's music hit, and on the stream, I had to go, oh, it's, um, uh, and wait till I saw their face, because I had no idea who it was outside of about five people. Everybody was Todd Grisham. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Christian. <laughs> over and over again. Alexa Bliss. Cat Moss. <laughs> Alexa Bliss has returned. 
into somebody else's storyline. <laughs> it's really weird, this isn't it? Like the big comeback, the big finally she's back on television, she's back in the the churn, all that sort of thing. This thing we usually say about. I wonder if you can get like six weeks out of Alexa Bliss for the novelty that wears off again. She's not even been given that because she's returned in Sonya Deville's storyline. <laughs> yes. she's not playing a role for no. herself. She exists for the purpose of this. Sonia Deville, what am I going to do now? My career is at a crossroads because, like every other authority figure, my useless power corrupted. I hate all of this. Yeah, so it's bad match, terrible storyline. They can't make, they can't even make their existing stars feel like stars anymore, which is quite an indictment. They can in some respects, but not with Alexa Bliss. No. Uh, but do you know who was uh, oh God. was with Alexa Bliss? I don't. It was. Uh, <laughs> So they're still doing summer. Did you see the real life Lily at ringside? Yes, she, I'm hot for that. You know, there was a fiend at backlash. Fiend at backlash. There was like like Alexa was slapping fives to let you know she's a baby face, and somebody had come like cosplay Lily, and there was this giant Lily head. It's amazing. Go slap go watch it back. Even she's like Jesus Christ. I was <laughs> like expecting that. to read like a five thousand word Reddit post about how the fiend's children are now in <laughs> <laughs> now in WWE. <laughs> I hate doing that voice, but that's what the sound like. Yeah. Who, in, who in the crowd is Sister Abigail? <laughs> uh, so yeah, the match was more about Sonya Deville than it was about Alexis. Deville did far better than she did last week. Um, she was actually arguably in control, and then she decided to get involved with taking the turnbuckle cover off. So the ref caught her. She was all right enough of that. Still manages to hit Alexa Bliss with a spine buster, I think, and gets a visual pinfall. But the ref was busy dealing with the turnbuckle cover. So when the ref counted it and she only got a two count, uh, Bliss kicks out, hit her with the DDT, one, two, three, and then post-match, DeVille slapped the ref. Yeah. Alexa Bliss celebrated on the ramp. That's what they all do. That's what they do. Love just the little narrow winning. Not like a last school winner, is it? No. <laughs> See if I can find this picture of Lily from last night. I mean, Lily with... I realize it's two L's. It's a stupid question because there is two L's in... I think it's two L's. They're Lily. Let's see if I can find human-sized Lily at them. Jesus, right, that's not what I was searching for. <laughs> Never mind. God, the podcast I've searched, I've searched, <laughs> I've searched Lily Raw, and it's, it's, not, it's not gone well. Is so, someone getting their, their, their fanny beaten raw like by, by cack? Searched Lily Raw. <laughs> so. Well. <laughs> well, looks like there's been enough work laptop. <laughs> <laughs> so glad, by the way, that that's the, the, the what culture WWE um, Twitter I'm logged into now. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like a you problem. Anyway, we'd had people the- you want to follow. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, he's got the keys. I've just seen a massive cock and <laughs> someone sucking it. <laughs> oh right, we'd had the countdown to Cody from the moment his show started, uh, and then he so he came out here to uh, to deal with the whole Seth Rollins situation. This is a test. Yes, because like you kind of got a vague idea of when something's going to come up on the show. And as a result, like, quarter hours are, you know, they're genuinely, more often than not, you can attribute whoever appears in them, despite it's not saying, up next, it's definitely this. They're a pretty reasonable indicator of who's over and who isn't. Mm-hmm. Is this their way of making it foolproof? Have we got anything in the fucking Cody guy? Or is it the NBA? What's going on? <laughs> Countdown to Cody to the second. We can find out whether he's a draw or not. When those, like, thirsting graphs drop. You want to, like, pierce your foot on a spy. You can yeah. see exactly who it is that you can attest, like, the, yeah. like the Dynamite and the NXT ones were fantastic yeah. for that, weren't they? Yeah. Like who's, they o- who's over? Who isn't? Yeah. And is this their way of trying to make it foolproof? 
so uh, Cody cut a promo saying that Seth wasn't here tonight, but he hoped he heard what he's what he's about to say. He was trying to move forward last week. You know, he saw it was done with with Seth Rollins, but Rollins dumped gasoline on the flames and stomped his head into the table. Um, and he told Rhodes that he'd never take anything from him again. Um, and Rhodes says, "What what did I take from you, Seth?" I beat you twice, but I didn't cross any personal lines. You're being, you're stuck in a purgatory of your own creation, uh, and you're trying to pull me into it. Uh, and he talked about, you know, Rollins' debut as part of the Shield back in 2012, and you know all the bitter boys in the back watching them, you know, sort of jump the queue effectively through what they were doing. He was tag champ within months. He sh- shattered the glass ceiling. Uh, Rhodes was was very different. He. Uh, he lost a lot rather than winning a lot like Rollins did. And he painted his face with a smile when he was dead inside, but he endured. He said, look, I knew I was never going to be the American dream, so why not embrace the nightmare? He says, look, I know you're embarrassed over two losses, but you know that's not going to overcome my own desire to reach the very top. Uh, I'm not going to be denied my second chance, and uh, you're going to have to kill me to stop me, and I'm going to give you the challenge. Chance, And he challenged Seth Rollins to a match inside hell in a cell. And the crowd cheers, and then we hear, <laughs> Rollins laugh booming through the speakers, and he's somewhere. He's on the screen, basically. Uh, and he said, well, it wasn't enough for you to steal my spotlight at WrestleMania or to cheat at Backlash. Are you stupid? You do know that everyone who faces me inside Hell in a Cell is changed forever. But I'm going to expose you. I'm fully. He's going to. I'm going to expose you. Is that how the... this works then? So, like, well, he was changed forever in Hell in a Cell by the Fiend, but then they were like, the Fiend isn't changing people, so we just gave that power to Seth. Yeah, maybe. Like, is that like transferred over? That's so, like, a check yeah, squared so, circle for law. So now we're saying because he fought Edge in Saudi yeah, and Edge. Edge turned heel. That's it. Well, in the midst of he's assumed the fiend changes people forever. Power technically, that's what's happened. So what you're saying is Seth Rollins. (laughs) Technically, didn't the Miz and Maurice change Edge? Because it was after that one. Uh, It doesn't count. (laughs) Not a Braun Strowman dance for New Day. Come on, keep up. Yeah, keep up. Keep up. (laughs) Okay, it's my favorite one. That. Uh, But yes, uh, uh, Rollins said he was going to expose Cody for the fraud that he is, and accepted. And Rhodes said, "I'll see you in hell." Another week. Another sort of reminder that Cody Rhodes is 100% where he should be. Like, the characters like his didn't really make sense in AEW. They're still trying, based on the back end of Rampage, but theoretically, those characters don't make <laughs> sense. Characters just come out and talk a load of bollocks don't make sense in a company where things matter, where wins and losses matter, where your actions have consequences, etc., etc. They don't in WWE, so he can pepper his actual quite meaningful diatribes with a little bit of bollocks, um, WWE speak, whatever it was, you know, paradox that you can't pull me into. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not, wasn't a dream. So Purgatory of your own creation. Yeah, like, I, I couldn't be the American dream, so I'm going to be the nightmare. Like, hitting you over the head with all the stuff, that's kind of very Cody. Yeah. This is where it fits. This feels like Cody's job, beyond now proving himself, as Sidgwick kind of points out, was the quarter-hour guy, is to be the guy that can main event a pay-per-view when Roman Reigns isn't there to do so. I think he's going to pass that first test with flying colours. Like, based not just on this specific promo, but evidence of what he's done with Seth Rollins so far, and how he's quite cannily managed the mentioning of who he was versus who he is now. I thought this was yet another quite interesting pull from an experience he had as Stardust in talking about the Shield and Seth. He's going to do this. He's such a worker, man. Like, he's going to do this over and over again. Every feud is going to be more meaningful than the last one because Dusty once said to me, or because when I was starting, he's just going to find it. He's just going to find that link over and over again. He's he's good at this. Yeah. He's really good at being a WWE superstar. He is, but I kind of got the impression watching this, otherwise 
very good by WWE standards promo. Very, very good. I just, I can't see it lasting that long as the guy. I think they'll turn on him. I just got, got the company or the fans? Fans. fans. I think about his promo cadence and that's, that's, it's a feeling. It's mm-hmm. a gut mm-hmm. feeling. But I really enjoyed this. And I'm on the hook for the match. I don't need to see the next two weeks of telly, obviously. <laughs> Contract signing. <laughs> the, yeah. 100%. Yeah. He called it on the preview. Cell gets lowered. Or something like that. Oh, she wasn't red. What if he's got the little Cody t- neck tattoo on one of the, on the <laughs> side? Uh, Asuka gets interviewed. She says she mocks Becky Lynch, calls her a baby, says she's going to give her something to cry about in the main event tonight. And then we got the sensational Chad Gable versus Ezekiel match because this was so good because Kevin Owens on commentary just, oh, my day. I, I, I was like... Almost willing him to get injured so that he could be stuck on commentary a bit like Punk was for a while because he was unbelievable in this. He never gave up the whole, no, (laughs) he got angry with whoever's in charge of the Tron. He was like, James, backstage, I'm going to have a word with you because you've put Ezekiel and that's clearly Elias. Uh, there was a photo that they showed of uh, Elias and Ezekiel together, to be fair. Uh, Owens claims that this is a Photoshop and it was a different musician. Uh, and he said he actually lived close to Elias when they were growing up. And his parents never mentioned another <laughs> kid. And that wasn't the only thing. And Sid mentioned this when we came to the office this morning. We were uh, waxing lyrical of just about how good Kevin Owens is. What was it he said about Cody? He was bollocking. Who was it? Was he bollocking? Prob- probably Corey. Yeah, yeah. Graves about how, like... Um, you know, you keep saying that Cody hasn't been anywhere for six years. He got ring rust. That's a load of bollocks. Yeah, <laughs> basically said that. That's just a complete load of bollocks. Stop saying that. You're insulting the intelligence of everyone watching who I'm, you know, and I'm connected with you in some way. So don't do that anymore, you cock. He got angry with whoever puts on the, like, lower third bit as well because it said, like, Ezekiel versus Jack Gable when they came back from a break. And he was like, no, that's meant to say hilarious. Take that down and put the other one up. Wonderful. And he also threatened to like drop kick loads of people. He was like, I drop kick you right in your face. It's, it's brilliant, man. That's Magnolia mm-hmm. reference. It, this is, he's, he's the only one that's right, and everyone wants to play along with him being wrong instead. It's, it's fantastic, this. If, uh, it's it's so made, this has made Ezekiel. Because I really enjoyed this match as well as a result. It's made this character, and beyond it being a bit of light relief on sometimes quite draining WWE television, it's one of the rare cases I can think of in recent time where they've actually manufactured genuine earnest crowd control. Mm. Everybody is playing their part in all of this pantomime fun. How often can they do that? And like it, WWE as a company do that now. And it isn't just like, you can tell Ezekiel is in on this as well because in the, in the match, he gets this back and forth stuff. He gets knocked down on the outside by Otis. Gable distracts the referee. Elias makes his comeback by hitting a lifting knee strike as Chad Gable comes up the top. Uh, sorry, Ezekiel makes his comeback because he does that. And Owens is like, that's Elias's move. How has he got that good at doing that move if he's only been here a few months? This is bollocks. So that all w- w- you know, went together really well as well. Anyway, Gable fights back. He hits a moonsault. He gets a two count. Elias hits that stinger splash, which, yeah, with the tassels and the... the I'm like back in the 80s watching <laughs> him do that, basically. Uh, knocks Otis off the apron. Gable goes for a cradle. Ezekiel counters into another cradle. And then then what does he do after he gets the one, two, three, Michael Hamlet? What? After the cradle? Mm-hmm. He runs to the outside and celebrates like all good baby faces should. He has stolen another one. Um, they're at least stood up now. Have you noticed because it's more of an aisle in the ramp? They don't have to shoot them at that bottom bit where the aisle and the ramp would meet. Yeah. And sitting down with their like, finger in the air. It's now just they're allowed to walk to the back and celebrate as they're running off. I hate it, man. I just... But a good match. Yeah, good match. Everything else about this, like, that's 
in isolation, it would have been fine. It just sounded like best thing in WWE show. by miles. Is. Yeah, it is. Because I know RK Bro probably more over and it's more effective at a main event level, but I don't really like Riddle, so this is the best thing. What? Like, it's so funny, isn't it? That, yeah. Like, it's frigging like. They, like they've they've cracked the code, have have Steen and Generico have cracked the WWE code and been relied upon. Can you get this thing over? Absolutely, I can. Like from the sublime of Austin to the ridiculous of Ezekiel, and then you've got like Sami Zayn pretending to be in the bloodline or helping Drew McIntyre get over these dreadful storylines that he's been in one after another. It's, it's Kevin Steen and El Generico mm-hmm. from the Indies to yeah. the Indies, and like WWE require them for their million dollar TV deals. Uh, the main event. Was still to come as our truth is backstage. <laughs> <laughs> <is> backstage <laughs> trying to find a gear as well to serve him with divorce papers. Been here ages, man. I'm desperate was, for a piss. I need good. my dinner. Like I almost mouthed, watch this. <laughs> Before I did that, because I knew you were so desperate. Uh, he thinks, says, you've got to find us as you've got to think like him. And he chucks the divorce papers in a bin that it reveals as Akira was, was hiding in. He's devastated and he runs off. And Dana Brooke shows up to thank Truth for helping with the whole Reggie situation. And Truth wants the 24-7 title. Dana says, you're never going to get it. Runs off, bumps into Carmella, who's applying her makeup. Uh, there's insults back and forth. Uh, Dana says, Carmella hasn't mattered since the guy with no chin was here. And she leaves and Truth says, can you help me get my title back? And Carmella says, I can, but I want Dana Brooke when the time's right. Love the Carmella law. By the way, like, got Ellsworth, prior relationship with R-Truth, current one with Corey Graves. Would piss myself if Corey Graves getting himself cleared was to be dragged in at 24-7 high yeah, yeah. I would love that. Oh. He's like, oh. cleared in January. I think I'll post the uh, WrestleMania logo on Twitter. What can possibly happen? In fact, R-Truth, mate. That's what you can do. Would love that. Would I would love, love that, that so much. One of the reasons why, he just seems to be, like, a pretty loathsome individual. <laughs> but remember when, like, um, someone, like, Buried him on Twitter, and he's like, guys, come on. They won't let me go full Bobby Heenan. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember this? Remember this? I don't remember that. It's like, I can't go full Bobby Heenan, obviously. They're in my ear. It's a different time. Obviously, I, can't, I could do it. <laughs> like, Bobby Heenan's legitimately one of the quickest-witted blokes who's ever lived. He just happened to be involved <laughs> in wrestling. And that knob is a little bit sarcastic, and he thinks he's Bobby Heenan. It'd be Benny Hill soon when he's chasing after that title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, it's time for mother, wife, daughter, United oh States Marine, and WWE superstar yeah, Lacey Evans. Uh, she came out. Uh, she got the. Uh, uh, I have no idea what's going on here, Hamlet, mate. <laughs> she put over servicemen and servicewomen in the United States, got them to give them an ovation. There's a USA chant. She said, finding the courage to fight and change the circumstances of your life is hard, but you know, we, had to, we had what it took to do so. Um, uh, ready to show everyone, especially our girls, that you can break the cycle. You, uh, we have what it takes to make it. I may not be better than any of these other WWE superstars in the Raw Women's Locker Room, but they damn sure are no better than me. This felt weird American babyface, but less heel than what I saw on SmackDown. Yeah, it was a move backwards from where we were at a couple of weeks ago. But there was something very pointed, wasn't there? We're like, get off your butts! Like, and like the way she was referencing people backstage and all that thing. It's ju- it's just feels really icky. All of this. I'd love to know for an American if, they, if we you know because we know like when they do like in in this country when they're like British stuff and yeah. we all we don't re- none of us really go for that. No, so some people do just not. No, often. yeah, you're gonna about to get quite a lot of it. I know that much. But <laughs> flag shagging the next few. What stupid dead woman are all celebrating? <laughs> Allegedly, allegedly, Americans are, are different like that. Obviously, they get more annoyed when you slag up their sports teams, and they are very proud being American. So I don't know. I'd love to know from from someone whether or not this is 
getting the same sort of weird response that it's getting here? Probably. Um, look, let's get off your butt. <laughs> <laughs> Be more like the Marines. Uh, it, it's it's either just normally terrible WWE babyface work, or there's like an edge. Again, it was downplayed from last week, so who knows what's going on? But get off your butts, assholes! Stand <laughs> get off your butts, assholes! Stand up, drink more, more Marines. <laughs> so there's a bit of that. Which <laughs> so I think get off, bit, get off your butts, assholes! <laughs> I like that. We're calling this segment from now. On. Oh. Like it was Angle, wasn't it? That like he said he's going to win the Rumble for the troops, and he lost it. So it's like, well, you have to turn. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> you kind of just go on. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, guess they, guess they didn't want it enough. It's <laughs> uh, a smoky hallway in the back. Guess who's in there? Riddle, of course. Four twenty. Just smoke your ass. Uh, that made me laugh. Is he smoking weed? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Was Randy Orton on the show because he walked out in disgust and left his tag belt on the on the title on the table? Do you think that's what happened? That's why he wasn't there. Uh, and the Usos put over the fact that they were going to have all the belts come Friday where they've got the title for unification match, which is inevitably going to take us to Hell in the Cell where they actually have the title yeah. <laughs> match. And then we get the announcement of the Bobby Lashley Almighty Challenge next week, which <laughs> got me very excited. And then, Michael Sidgwick, it was time for the main event. Becky Lynch versus Asuka. Surprise, surprise, this was great, despite the fact it was thrown together at the last minute because it should have been a six-man but Sasha and Naomi quite rightly walked out. A uh, lot of uh, reversals, a lot of exchanging of, of holes, which I'm sure you were a big fan of, uh, Sige. Uh, an exchange of cradles, and then Asuka just went, I'll just kick Becky Lynch right in the head. That'll do it. A um, few more kicks. German suplex, sliding knee. That gets Asuka a two count. Uh, Becky goes for the manhandle slam, but Asuka reverses it into an arm drag, but then Lynch catches her between the ropes and hits that diving leg drop of hers. That gets a near fall. Uh, Lynch get put, gets put in the Asuka lock, but uh, Lynch flips over to make it a cover and that gets a two count. There's another uh, series of counters uh, with Asuka applying an arm bar on Becky Lynch, but she gets to the ropes. Lynch goes to the outside and tries to get Bianca Belair, who's uh, ringside, to, to clock her one to get DQ'd and win, obviously. Belair is smarter than that. Uh, but then Asuka gets sent into uh, Belair by Becky Lynch. Belair jumps on the apron, annoyed about all this, and Lynch spots this as an opportunity to grab Asuka's umbrella and twat her with it. But as she moves towards her to nail her with this umbrella, Lynch gets misted by Asuka. Huge bap in the Wilborn household. Uh, kick to the head. One, two, three. Asuka is the number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship. I thought this was an excellent finish to Monday Night Raw. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. I thought I couldn't love Asuka battering Becky Lynch when she was a babyface anymore. But it turns out, funnily enough, the heel babyface dynamic makes it even better. These two had that really cool chemistry where, and like rightfully so, Becky Lynch as the man was allowed to walk with the swagger of somebody that had toppled everybody, but she'd been unable to beat Asuka before she became Raw Women's Champion. And that like in just gave them, for me, more chemistry than Becky had with most people as a babyface. But been full of praise for this run and more of it here fantastic, like, showing ass as a, or like, almost old-fashioned cartoon heel for getting brutalised by Asuka, almost, like, encouraging Asuka to hit as hard as possible because she's going to sell for it because she's going to put it over. Like, she's a threat, she's a danger. 
Becky's got a cheat, but I like watching her as this experienced veteran presence in the Raw Women's Division. Now she tries... To, uh, I believe when Becky Lynch wrestles now, she has approached this like a football manager would play in the opposition. You know, like she's looked and she's scouted and she's figured out what she's got to do to try and beat Asuka, just like she did Dewdrop or whomever it is that she's fighting on these matches, these big occasion matches. I, I love it. I love watching the work. And I like the finish. Like, for all the... We've kind of been critical of WWE baby faces and how they go about doing things. Asuka's a bit of an X factor, especially when it comes to the mist. And, like, you know, two wrongs do sort of make a right in pro wrestling sometimes. And the fact that she was brolly in hand when she got misted somewhat nullifies the fact that the mist is typically used by heels. Maybe I'm biased because it's Asuka, but I feel like maybe that's too generous. But it does feel like that's how you make the mist make sense. It's now a mischievous element to Asuka's character. Yeah, that's yeah. always worked so well for me, and it's absolutely fine. Yeah, it did. It was not like you know, babyface low blowing someone, for example. No. Yeah, I thought and it was in anticipation of like the mist is always there in my mind, and she had good reason to use mm. it. There's a, there's a bit of shakiness in the first minute, but that's probably understandable with uh, the tensions backstage. And Becky Lynch is probably at this point wondering where her character's going, and she has to be the person to um, fix McMahon's problems. So there's a shakiness to like the opening minute or two, and then it turned into a really nice unvarnished scrap, um, very energetic. Hotly received, um, really nice sequences in which they, again, as I have to just echo Hamlet completely, it felt like they were scouting for a fight against each other. They had each other's number at various points. Very dramatic, very good. Mm, lovely stuff, a nice way to end Monday Night Raw. But uh, yeah, as we mentioned at the beginning, completely overshadowed by other events, which we'll keep you up to date on as and when we uh, learn more about it. Let us know your thoughts on that developing situation and on Monday Night Raw, though, on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch, they can follow both, of, or, or all three of us, I should say. You can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Got the NXT Dubai. Oh! You go your way a little bit later on today. And whilst you're subscribing, if you leave us a five-star review, just like Rick from Dallas did, uh, you could be on next week's Raw as part of the five-star review. Review. But for now, this has been the Monday Night Raw Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.